0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. On June 24th, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, affecting an immediate end for the federal protection of abortion rights. Despite the opposition of the majority of Americans, the court struck down 50 years of precedent and stripped millions of our constitutional rights to self-determination, privacy, and autonomy over our bodies. Although we knew it was coming, I was still gutted. Four months later, I still can't believe that it's happened. And I know that many of you have been on a similar journey through anger, despair, uncertainty, and fear. Before we dive in, I wanna acknowledge that abortion and pregnancy loss are complex. The decision to have or not have a child is profound. And lawmakers and judges have no place at that table. Our Unitarian Universalist faith declares that all bodies are sacred. Sexuality is a gift and self-determination is our inherent right. Many of us have had abortions or supported a partner, a relative, or a friend through ending a pregnancy. Some people are unequivocal about the choice and experience a deep sense of relief after their abortion. For others, the decision is ambiguous or painful and unresolved grief or shame can linger for years. At Arlington Street, We are invited to bring the full complexity of our sexual and reproductive lives to this beloved spiritual community. Please know that I am always here for you and Reverend Kim is always here for you if you wanna talk it through. The fall of Roe has had immediate seismic impacts 13 states have banned most abortions, and many more are hard at work enacting restrictions. Cancer treatments, surgeries, and access to prescription medications are being delayed and denied in the wake of legal ambiguities. Clinics are closing their doors, and with them goes access not only to abortion, but to a whole range of critical health services. As always, the most vulnerable among us are bearing the worst of it. Darren Walker, president of the Ford Foundation encapsulated this beautifully when he said, I think of communities of color already over-policed and criminalized who are suffering the most severe consequences of this decision. Of people from rural communities in the South and Midwest forced to travel hundreds of miles at great expense for crucial, even life-saving care, and of lower-income people struggling to make ends meet, unable to take time off of work to obtain safe, legal abortions, and thereby chart the course of their own lives. While this whole mess is unconscionable, one of the things I find the most galling was the court expressing the expectation that people will adapt to their overturning of Roe. I am here to tell you this morning that we will not adapt. We will not go back to coat hangers and back alleys. We will not normalize forced birth. Our beautiful cohort of new Arlington Street babies, Pippa, Vivi, Luis, Tebo, Ria, Addie, and Zeph will not grow up thinking that their bodies and their lives are subject to government control. As people of faith, we are called to resist this attempt to dehumanize us. This will not stand. We will not let it. Last Sunday, thanks to our own Kevin Tyrell, we had the honor of hosting Buddhist teacher Timber Hawkeye. One of the many wise things he said in his Dharma talk was, what we allow is what will continue. Timber was speaking to personal boundaries, but the principle is also true for the collective. If we accept government meddling in healthcare decisions, if we cede control of our bodies, our civil liberties will continue to be dismantled. While this decision marks the first time in history that the Supreme Court has taken away a fundamental right, their trajectory signals that it is by no means the last. In case you think this isn't about you, voting rights, contraception, LGBTQ rights, and marriage equality are all in the court's crosshairs. As Boston University law professor Robert Tsai writes in Politico, eliminating a landmark decision is like cutting a hole in a tapestry. And we don't know yet how much of constitutional law will unravel. To remind ourselves of how deeply connected issues of autonomy and agency are, let's shift for a moment to the global perspective. It was late winter, 1979, when Iran established a theocratic regime. Women took to the streets of Tehran to protest after rumors spread that the government would enforce mandatory veiling. They agitated relentlessly calling for gender equality and greater access to the public sphere. In 2017, Vida Movavid, a 31-year-old mother, removed her headscarf and waved it in the air on top of a platform on Revolution Street in central Tehran. Despite the threat of harassment and arrest, her image spread quickly on social media. Many other women followed suit, and men showed their support by posting selfies as they donned the hijab themselves. In fact, Iranian women have been protesting mandatory hijab for decades, but over the past weeks, loud chants of women, life, liberty, have shaken the streets of Iran following the murder of Masa Amini, a young Kurdish-American woman who died in police custody for allegedly wearing her headscarf too loosely. After this flashpoint, despite harsh retaliation from Iran's security forces, Iranians from a broad diversity of age, gender, ethnicity, and class have joined the unprecedented protests. They have lost patience with the regime. And women are leading them. Meanwhile, back in America, right here at home, Boston Children's Hospital is being targeted by right-wing activists for its transgender health care program. After months of harassment that culminated in a bomb threat, eight demonstrators arrived as part of a national intimidation tour, targeting the city and the life-saving care provided by Boston Children's Hospital. They were met by over 200 counter protesters who showed up in force with pride flags and signs of support for trans kids. Mayor Michelle Wu affirms, we will not let those who rely on intimidation and fear-mongering get in the way of our work to make Boston a safe and welcoming city. And circling back to abortion access. In Dallas, Texas, my colleague, the Reverend Daniel Cantor created a chaplaincy program to provide affirming spiritual counsel to people seeking abortions. But when the abortion ban came down, the local clinic saw a 70% decrease in patients. Reverend Cantor says, so I just transferred the clinic chaplaincy to a travel program. Now we accompany pregnant people on flights to New Mexico where they can obtain safe and legal abortion care. The travel program provides funding for patients with incomes below the poverty line. Members of the First Unitarian Church send along handwritten notes and baked goods for those making the journey from Dallas to Albuquerque. My wonderful seminary classmate and good friend, the Reverend Aaron Walter, is one of the travel chaplains. Reflecting on a recent trip, she said, Being a chaplain for 20 people flying across state lines for abortion care was one of the most spiritual, powerful, meaningful experiences of my ministry. Most of those seeking help on Aaron's trip were women of color. A few had never been on a plane before. Some were working their jobs on their laptops while others returned from the trip and headed to their shift in a factory. One young woman was preparing to go to the prom the next night. The travel program is not an isolated response to the fall of Roe. Across the nation, there's a groundswell of political engagement, including voter registration, changing party affiliation, and voting. A great example of this is Bobby Erickson from Jefferson County, Pennsylvania? Bobby is a 32-year-old mother of three who works part-time at a school cafeteria. She describes herself as never particularly politically active until Roe was overturned. In the months since the Supreme Court decision, Bobby has helped to organize protests and launched Indivisible May Day, a grassroots group with more than 600 members. Bobby says, if you look at my calendar before Roe was overturned, most of the entries involved making snacks for my kids' soccer games. Now it's full of appointments to send out hundreds of postcards and to organize rallies. If you didn't see the June 27th issue of Cosmopolitan magazine, you missed an extraordinarily hopeful, beautiful piece addressing abortion access. It's called, The Next Major Reproductive Freedom Movement Has Begun, and it's creating something way more powerful than Roe. The article features 50 African-American, indigenous, Latina, and white people all agree that the SCOTUS ruling is proffering an opportunity like never before. Abortion rights activists on the ground, those who have spent years funding, facilitating, performing, and agitating in support of abortion, have prepared for this moment. I want to share the opening of the Cosmo piece. And two quotes from abortion rights activists. It begins, an interesting mood is rippling through abortion advocacy circles right now. A sense of possibility. At first, you might not expect that. The Supreme Court's overturn of Roe v. Wade is a historic affront with devastating implications for the health safety, and autonomy of millions. And so you might expect that people working on the front lines, abortion providers and reproductive rights advocates, and community organizers and clinic defenders would curl up in a collective ball. You would be very wrong. It's not over. As Roe was spiraling around the judicial drain Throughout June, Cosmo's reporting team connected with grassroots movement leaders in all 50 states to gather dispatches from the ground. Many of these leaders used words like optimism and excitement to describe what's fueling their work in this moment. Some said they're feeling more inspired, more energized than they have in years. And this isn't just in the regions where abortion remains legally protected. What emerged from these conversations was an impassioned consensus. Progress towards reproductive freedom and justice is still very much happening. Regardless of the courts, regardless of the alt-right rhetoric, regardless of the discriminatory barriers that have always been there, but maybe won't be for much longer if we come together and do this next part right. It's understandable if you're scared or uncertain right now, wondering what does the future hold? For a roadmap, look to what folks have been out there doing all along, dreaming up new systems, that not only protect, but also expand abortion access, rooted in love, solidarity, and community care. Systems that in some cases are already up and running. The more of us who engage, the stronger and more real it all becomes. We can build something better. Dr. Crystal Redmond of Atlanta, Georgia says, creating better abortion access is about understanding what the landscape really looks like. Black folks, BIPOC folks, queer and trans folks have always had to center their power within the community. We've leaned into our communities to raise funds. We've leaned into our grassroots strategies of taking care of each other. This move by the Supreme Court does not take away our power. For folks who are new to this movement, folks who don't reside within the margins, try to connect with a reproductive justice group in your community. We are continuously working to expand our reach so that more people can get what they need, despite being faced with systems that weren't created for us and Rebecca Tong of Wichita, Kansas brings it home. This moment feels very big and is already very scary for many people. But we're also seeing an encouraging galvanization of people across the country who are stepping forward to demand change. People who understand that abortion freedom is a cornerstone of a functioning democracy. We can win something better than Roe. Friends, we have every reason to feel gutted, scared, angry, exhausted right now. But our power never came from the Supreme Court, from nine unelected people in robes playing with our lives like strings on a puppet. Our power lies in the communities we care for and are accountable to. Our power lies in dreaming of and building new systems that empower each and every person in this world to make the best decisions for their lives and families. Our power lies in 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 plugging into thriving networks and raising our collective voices in protest with our votes by donating money and by resisting normalization. What we allow is what will continue. Roe was never enough. We have only begun to build the world we dream. Let us keep this faith, keep moving forward, and remember, your body is your own. You are loved, amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart and namaste. I bow to the divine in you. This morning, we ask for the blessing of comfort for our fearful, angry, and depleted spirits. Fill us with resilience and with the will to resist. Lift us up to the light of change. May we remember that our power lies in community and that our collective voice can never be silenced. We've only begun to build the world we dream. Let's keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen.